with the interest, the compound interest and the dividends together, you could see a growth of between like four and 5% compound every year. Um, and again, it's, and I, and I really like this concept because it's not like either, or it's not like either, you know, I, I park my money in real estate and I earn like 8% on it, or I park it into whole life insurance and I own 4% in it. It's kind of like a both and strategy where I could put money into whole life insurance and then use that money in whole life insurance to earn eight to 10% somewhere else in real estate or other investments. But the point, the difference between using cash and using whole life is that when you use whole life insurance, you have like a safety backbone where if that investment decreases in value, your whole life insurance is still there. It's still going to grow in value, even if your investment goes down. And, and this is exactly what banks do. Banks have whole life insurance. They fund them with billions of dollars and then they invest them. They give loans out to credit cards, you know, via credit cards, whole lines of credit, mortgages, and they earn interest from that, from people. And then they also earn interest within the policy. So their money is doing two things for them at the same time. And this way, when there's a, a market dip or market crash or a high default rates on loans, they still have their whole life insurance insurance policies and they're still earning compound interest on those. So that way they could, you know, meet their deadlines or financial deadlines. They can still pay the shareholders. They can still, they're still in business, even when there's a high default rate or, or market dips. All right, guys, welcome again to another amazing episode. Today we have Sari Ibrahim. Uh, Sari is the CEO and president of uh, FineAssetProtection.com. He is a bank on yourself authorized advisor. Long story short, because we don't know much about this concept. If you're familiar with the infinite banking system, whole term life insurance, essentially you become the bank. Uh, that is what Sari is here to tell us about and how to how, to, how it's tailored towards real estate investing, towards multifamily. And we'll jump right in. Sorry, so if you could go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about the concept, your company, and, and how you got involved into doing this tailoring for real estate investors. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. So my company, uh, Financial Asset Protection, is mainly, it's a, we're a Bank on Yourself authorized group. So we are uh, part of the Bank on Yourself organization, which is a group that specializes in dividend paying whole life insurance, mainly for the living or for the cash benefit use of the policy. So what that means is we use whole life insurance for a variety of things. Uh, mainly, we actually specialize in real estate investing. A lot of our clients are real estate investors. And for those of you who are not familiar with whole life insurance, it pretty much has two functions or two parts. One part is the cash value part, the living benefit part. And the second part, of course, is the life insurance. The, the living benefit part of the cash value has a lot of benefits that you can't really find in other places where you would store your cash, like a checking account, savings, money market, brokerage account. Uh, the cash value of a whole life insurance has um, a lot of benefits like guaranteed growth, guaranteed liquidity. Um, it's not tied to any of the markets. It grows uh, guaranteed. And one cool thing about it, and I'll get more into this, is, is how your money keeps growing even when you use it. But for now, that's just kind of the overview of what we do and, and how we do it. Awesome, man. So then, you know, to begin starting with this, so let's talk a little bit about what is whole term, whole, whole life insurance versus what most people have term life insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, so term insurance, so it's like the difference between renting and owning term is, is literally just for a term. It's either 10 years, 20 years or 30 years. It's a life insurance policy and it's only life insurance. 
there is no equity in the policy. Just like how if you're renting a home, you don't have equity in that home. It's not always a bad thing. Term is not a bad thing. That's just the way it's structured. It's either 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, and it has an end period. And if, if you paid, for example, for 20 years every month for life insurance, and then you live for those 20 years, then the insurance company is not liable for anything. And you just walk away from that policy, or you could renew it. Uh, for another 20 years or another 10 years or however you want to renew it. Whole life is just how the way it sounds. It's for your whole life. It's permanent insurance. There's only two ways the policy can really end is if you stop paying for it or if you pass away, the policy would then pay to the beneficiaries. But in other words, it's for your whole life. It doesn't stop. And another another difference with whole life is, is, is it has equity. It has cash value in the policy, the same way how like buying a property, how you would have the equity and the market value. Same thing with whole life. There's two functions. It has equity or cash value and then the death benefit or the life insurance amount. And with that, um, with the infinite banking concept or the bank on yourself concept, it's it's different than traditional whole life insurance out there on the marketplace or whole life insurance that some people talk about, like, um, like Dave Ramsey or Susie Arbo, when they talk about whole life insurance and it being a terrible investment, it could be a terrible investment if it's structured the wrong way. For example, um, whole life insurance has the two parts mentioned, the cash value and the life insurance part. Well, um, properly structured whole life insurance would mean that a portion of every dollar you put into the policy, a part of that would go towards the cash value and a part of that would go towards the life insurance. A lot of old school whole life insurance policies are are just 100% whole life insurance. There's no paid up additions, cash value part or rider to the policy. So that means that you're just paying only for the life insurance part. And that explains why it's a terrible investment in that situation. Whereas the infinite banking concept would design it differently. We would we would design the policy so it'd be like every dollar you put in, it's a 50-50 split between the life insurance and the cash value. And then when you could add more towards the cash value, you're going to get more dividends from the insurance company and it's going to turbocharge the cash value and build it up much quicker. Sorry, let me ask you this, man. I mean, for 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 the audience that are not too familiar with this concept, and maybe they're like, uh, they're saying this is too good to be true. When is this is this concept new, or because all most people here is life insurance, where you die and, and and your family gets all the money? Is this something new, or when when was this? When did this concept came about? Yeah, so whole life insurance and the companies we deal with have been around for over 160 years. But the concept is a more of the infinite banking concept has been around for about 20 years. Uh, it was designed and invented by Nelson Nash. Um, and you could read a lot about it in the book called uh, Becoming Your Own Banker and also the book Bec- uh, Bank on Yourself Revolution. So the concept, so the, the whole whole life insurance and the companies have been around for over 160 years. But uh, the, the, t- oh, wow. <laughs> I got <laughs> it right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the, the companies have been around for a really long time, like over 160 years, but the twist to it, the infinite banking twist and using it for business and for real estate investing, that's been around for like 20 years. Um, and you're right, yeah, I do hear that a lot. It's too good to be true. Um, again, we're talking about properly structured whole life insurance. And you know there is a capitalization period, a part of the policy or, or time period where you have to pay towards the policy and, and grow it. It's not like you're going to just sign up for the policy and then have instant cash value. There is a funding process and it does take discipline. You know, you are at the savings aspect, you're saving into it. So I guess that's pretty much like the downside to it is that you have to, you know, put the time into growing the policy. So, so a couple of questions, man, you know, how do, mm-hmm. I guess the first one would be is 
how does someone know, you know, a good policy when they see one, right? What what determines a good policy? What would you say is a good policy? Hey, if I brought it to you and like, hey, hey, sorry, I don't, I don't know if this is good for me or not. What would determine it to be good? And then from there is, could you dive a little bit into how how you how you structure them and how it benefits a, a real estate investor and how how much does it grow? You know, what what is there a specific interest rate? What are we talking about here? Yeah. So, so the first part to your question, how do you know, like how, how would I know if it's good or bad? If you just showed me like a documents for whole life insurance, well, a couple of things, one, I would look at the amount of premiums you're putting in every year. And then of that, how much is going towards the cash value? And then how much, of course, the life insurance part is since we are talking about like more towards the cash value part, I would look at to see, like, for example, let's say you were putting in $10,000 a year. If we're talking about the old fashioned whole life insurance policies, like the old school ones, a line one, for year one, it would say like $10,000 goes in. And then for cash value, you might say zero because it's all going towards the life insurance and servicing the life insurance part. And then, then year two might be another 10,000. And then it might be like $1,000 in cash value. And then year three would be like another 10,000 in, and then you might be at like five or $6,000 in cash value. So in other words, the cash value would be much lower on traditional whole life. But if it's the infinite banking way, I would be able to tell by line one, 10,000 goes in, your uh, cash value might be 6,000 in year one. So yeah, there's still a dip in your money, but because the policy is going, it has to go to service the whole life part in, in, in the first couple of years. Then after that, you'll see the cash value grow. So like year one will be like 6,000 in cash value and then it'll grow every single year. And by, usually by year 3.5 to year four, the policy starts to break even, meaning the cash value starts to outpace what you're putting into the policy. That, and then, so that's how I would know. And then if you, if you want to use this for real estate investing, you have to structure it a special way. Uh, number one, it has to be a mutual insurance company. It cannot be a stock owned insurance company. Uh, mutual insurance companies, the policy owners are part owners of the company. Whereas stock owners, stock companies, the shareholders are the owners of the company. Therefore, dividends and profits would go to the shareholders in a stock owned company. But with a mutual insurance company, you would get the dividends and the profits a part of that every year. So as the company is performing and as the insurance company is investing in real estate themselves, as they're loaning out money and charging interest on it, and they're investing in the bond market, then you're going to get a piece of that action every year towards your cash value. So it has to be a mutual insurance company. Another thing too is, this is kind of tricky, but I'll explain it. It has to be a non-direct recognition loan company as opposed to direct recognition. And what that means is, let's say you have $100,000 in cash value in your life insurance policy, right? And let's say you're a real estate investor and you come across a deal, it requires you to invest $50,000 in the policy. You could go to your life insurance policy, borrow $50,000 from it, from the insurance company, leveraging your $100,000 cash value, not subtracting from it. So when you borrow that $50,000 loan to use for the investment, your cash value still grows and still compounds as if you never touched it. It's not directly connected to the loan. It's like if you have a house and your house is worth $500,000 of market value and you borrow $100,000 against it, your home, your market value is still $500,000. And it's safe to assume that there's still a natural appreciation rate on it. It's not gonna get affected by your loan. You have an outstanding loan against your home. So if you sell it, you still have to make that outstanding loan. But same thing with whole life insurance. If you have $100,000 in cash value and you borrow 50,000, your cash value is still $100,000. And that is the reason why a lot of, that's the main reason why a lot of real estate investors use this is because they kind of have this struggle, right? Where 
they need liquidity, they need cash to move around to buy properties. And, and there's, a, there's a delay, right, in between renting out properties, in between um, selling a property, uh, getting financing for a property. There's some delay. So liquidity is key in, in real estate investing, right? But then also the contrary to that is you don't want large amounts of cash sitting in your bank account because you're going to lose opportunity costs on it. So the bank on yourself concept brings it right in the middle where you have the cash, you're, it's liquid, but you're able to still earn interest on that money while you're still using it. Man, that was cool. So what, what tax advantages do, do we get as far as setting this system up? Because I mean, it sounds almost like a, a 401k loan, right? From yourself, but I know it's not. So what, what advantages do you, do you have or disadvantages? Yeah, so there's a couple of tax advantages with using whole life insurance this way. Number one, the growth of the cash value every year grows tax deferred. So that means if you have a whole life policy and you're earning dividends and interest in, in the policy and it's growing every year, you don't have to claim that as your taxes. And I'm not a tax professional, but this is just kind of general tax yeah. uh, information. Um, the, the policy grows tax deferred. You don't have to claim that if you like, just like other investments, how you have to claim like on, on your taxes that you made money in those investments with whole life, you don't have to do that. That's one way. And the second way is when you go to use that money in most situations, that money is tax-free. Not in every situation, but in most situations, because you're using after-tax dollars to put into the policy. So for example, you make money, you pay taxes on it, you deposit it into the whole life policy. Now you've converted over from like, let's say the 25% tax bracket to the 0% tax bracket. So now, even if there is a spike in taxes, you're not liable for that money anymore, for, for those tax rates anymore. And your money grows tax deferred. You don't have to claim that anymore. And then of course, the actual life insurance, that is tax-free too. So the death benefit is tax-free, income tax-free to your family. Nice. So can you, can you hold on, Oscar? I just got a question, man, for, for the, the, uh, the listeners or in viewers who are not very sophisticated and they probably don't know what tax deferred means. Can you just go a little deeper into that? Yeah. Yeah. It means that, um, if you look, let's say you have, for example, a hundred thousand dollars in cash value in your policy. And then the following year you get like $10,000 from the insurance company and dividends and interest because the insurance company is using your money to invest it in other things. And they're earning profits from that. And they're depositing those profits into the cash value. So like year five, you have a hundred thousand dollars in cash value. And then year six, you have a hundred ten thousand dollars in cash value because your, your, your policy is growing. Now, when you go to do your taxes, you don't have to say, I made $10,000 in my whole life policy. It's tax deferred. You don't pay taxes on it until a later year. That's the assumption that you're going to pay taxes on it in a later year. But when you go to take that money out of the policy, you're either going to have a return of premium or a loan. Both of those are tax-free. Now, this doesn't work in every situation. For example, I worked on a policy with a real estate investor. He sold one of his homes for $400,000 in cash. He then took that $400,000 in cash and bought a single premium whole life insurance, a one-time payment whole life insurance policy. He has no more payments to do. And instantly, as soon as he did that, he had cash value and a death benefit right away. And both of those grow every year. Now, the cash value in the policy grows tax deferred. He doesn't have to claim those gains in the policy. But when he goes to take that money out in this situation, it is taxable because it's known as a modified endowment contract or a MEC policy because he didn't meet the seven pay test by the IRS. That policy is taxable. And he knows that. And it's not always a bad thing, but it's just clear to differentiate that there is something called a modified endowment contract and life insurance. And that's when the policy becomes taxable. Sweet, man. 
So, you know, kind of walk me through this. So is I want to get a whole life insurance, right? I come to you and I say, Hey man, like, what, what do you have to do? You have to run my credit, see what my net worth is, is because then is the policy based on my net worth? Is there a cap? How does that work? Yeah, so the first step we would do is we would do a financial analysis, no credit check, but just an analysis to see where you're at financially and where you wanna go and what are your needs, your wants, your financial objectives. And then at that point, we would do a personalized solution call where we would present a solution based off of what we collect in the analysis call. So everybody's gonna have a different situation. We work with four different insurance companies and each insurance company has different products. So it's really hard for us to kind of guess which company, which amounts, which product. So that's where the analysis comes in. We, we figure out what's like a diagnosis, like a financial diagnosis. We figure out what, what, what's gonna work best for you. And then after that, it goes through medical underwriting. It takes about four to six weeks usually. And that's where they'll take your blood and just like any other insurance company does. Uh, it's kind of a hassle, but it is what it is. Um, and then at that point, you would fund the policy. Um, again, no credit check. And then as far as limits, usually, typically, um, it's about the death benefit. The life insurance part could be 25 times your annual income. So if you make $100,000 a year, the most you can get is $2.5 million in death benefit, which means that you could probably fund, and it depends on your age and the state and everything else, but it, that probably translates into, you could fund a policy maybe for like sixty dollars to $70,000 a year. Anything above that, you're going to have to really prove to the underwriters that you make that much money because they're going to yeah. see that like, you could actually make those, uh, those payments. Gotcha, man. So then, you know, going from there, would I say, so that's the cap on the, on the life insurance side of it, but is, there's no cap on the cash value side, right? That's just continuous interest, right? Exactly. Yeah. That grows okay. regardless. So the cash, the cash value grows two ways. One way that it grows is through compound interest. And the second way that it grows is through dividends. The dividends aren't guaranteed, but the cap, but the compound interest is guaranteed. So there's two ways the cash value grows. And then what, what's the typical, you know, interest that you're going to have for that? How much growth can you see in a year or two years? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome question. So, so pretty much um, with the interest, the compound interest and the dividends together, you could see a growth of between like four and 5% compound every year. Um, and again, it's, and I, and I really like this concept because it's not like either or. It's not like either, you know, I, I park my money in real estate and I earn like 8% on it or I park it into whole life insurance and I own 4% in it. It's kind of like a both and strategy where I could put money into whole life insurance and then use that money in whole life insurance to earn 8 to 10% somewhere else in real estate or other investments. But the point, the difference between using cash and using whole life is that when you use whole life insurance, you have like a safety backbone where if that investment decreases in value, your whole life insurance is still there. It's still gonna grow in value, even if your investment goes down. And, and this is exactly what banks do. Banks have whole life insurance. They fund them with billions of dollars and then they invest them. They give loans out to credit cards, you know, via credit cards, whole, lines of credit, mortgages, and they earn interest from that, from people. And then they also earn interest within the policy. So their money is doing two things for them at the same time. And this way, when there's a, a market dip or market crash or a high default rates on loans, they still have their whole life insurance insurance policies and they're still earning compound interest on those. So that way they can, you know, meet their deadlines, their financial deadlines. They can still pay the shareholders. They can still, they're still in business. 
even when there's a high default rate or, or market dips. Yeah, no, that's smart. So then how do you, man, I had a, I had a question on that. Go ahead, Jeremy. Mm, okay, here we go. So for the normal guy that is listening to this podcast and they want to, they go like, hey, you know what? Let me try this. How much money do they need um, to start with? You know, um, yeah, let's start with that one. Yeah, yeah. So like you can start off anywhere as low as, my first policy was $300 a month. But here's the cool thing about this is that it's flexible, meaning that I I was able to put $300 a month in the policy and then put in a portion of that goes towards the cash value and a portion of that goes towards the actual life insurance. And then as like I was making more money, I was able to stash more into it. So I was able to add like another like $4,000 a year on top of that towards the cash value of the policy. So to answer that, you could do a minimum of like $300 per month, which will take you, it seems like very small numbers, but over time, uh, the numbers will grow, it will compound, and you have room to add more into the policy. So you don't need to make a huge financial commitment to start with. You can kind of start small. And then when you do get those extra funds, you can allocate them to the whole life policy. Also, another cool thing is it's like a mindset shift. You know, at first I was like, you know, like I'm going to pay $300 a month. It's not going to really do much. I had to kind of discipline. Right? I, had to, I had to think really long-term. But yeah. once you do it and a year goes by and you see the cash value, you're like, all right, you know, how do we do more of this? How do I add more? Because I, ever since, and I know, I know a lot of people, when they save money, it's like um, like a roller coaster. They'll save money and then have to spend it and then save again and then spend it. And it, go, it goes up and it goes down. But with this, it always goes up. And then when you borrow, it still climbs. It still grows every year. So that's why I really like this as opposed to just a regular savings account or regular checking account or, or risky investment, even because there's no risk with this. Yeah. So when you say, when you say, for example, you started with $300, does that $300 a mm-hmm. month, does that mean that uh, you don't need any, like uh, like an initial investment where you, hey, you need $10,000 to start with or, or, or it's just zero, you set it up and you're like, hey, next month I just put $300. Yeah, yeah, you could do, yeah, it's just zero to start with. Uh, the, the actual, the application to submit for underwriting is actually free. You can submit the application without any money down and then pay once the policy gets approved, you know, $300 a month. And then when you get extra money, you could allocate it. And then when the policy renews every year, then you could just write a check for $3,600 for the whole year. You could do that. You could add a couple thousand dollars extra on top of it. You could do another policy. So there's a lot of maneuvering you could do which all comes down to the analysis, the financial analysis and figuring out like what's good, what's best for the client. And then we can maneuver around the system, you know, to, to bend it and make it really work financially. Is there a cap to how much you can add? Like how, you know, a 401k RA has a limit yearly? So there, there are caps, but not like government caps. It's more of caps. Well, actually it is government caps, but it's more from the insurance companies because of tax purposes. So for example, with my policy, you know, it was like $300 a month. If I wanted to add like $10,000 in it, I couldn't do that. If I did that, it would become a modified endowment contract. And then now all that work that I've done becomes taxable now. So if I wanted to add more, I would have to get another policy, but it all comes down to how much base like insurance you have. Uh, it's dependent on that. It's dependent on the base life insurance. Usually, um, it's ca- it's really hard to calculate, but pretty much it has to be in proportion to the base insurance. So if your base life insurance is like $5,000 per year, um, usually, typically, you can add maybe maybe another five to $7,000 on top of that towards the cash value. You can't add $50,000 to the, on top of it. Or you'll, like, you'll break the policy. It'll become a, mech po- it'll become a modified endowment contract. 
if you did that. Um, so you would have to either, if you want to pretty much stash more money into a whole life policy, you'd have to do two things. One, get a whole life policy with a huge base to it, like um, a higher base to the, to the premium. Or the second thing you would do is get another whole life policy, which a lot of people do. Uh, people just get multiple policies and that way they have multiple, like they even get one with the, each insurance company we work with. So that way their money is like in different places. It's like diversified almost. Nice. Nice, man. That's all new, man. That's pretty good stuff. So then... You, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I was just going to add to the same comment, but go ahead. All right. So then we take this money, right? And, you know, I, I, I get a loan from it. Is, do I need to wait till it gets a certain portion value? Or is it already, for example, if the policy is worth, I don't know, uh, let's say a million dollars, right? And I mm -hmm. just opened it up and I'm contributing, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month or or a total of, let's say what, 15,000 maybe a year. Mm -hmm. Do I have to wait till the cash value gets to a certain point in order to loan against it? Or do, do we know that the value is 2 million and I could borrow at a higher value? Okay, good question. Yeah, so pretty much let's, let's say that you were putting in $1,000 per month. Um, if you put in $1,000 per month, typically your cash value in month one would be around, you know, depending, probably let's just say it could be between 500 to $600 per month, but let's just say on the low end, $500 per month. So let's say you put in $1,000 in month one. In month two, you could take on a loan for $500. So in other words, the cash value ah. is proportional to the overall premium dollars. Gotcha. So, and essentially you can take out half of what the value is, the cash value is. Is that correct? You could borrow up to 90, you could borrow up to 90% of the cash value. Oh, okay, so 90. if you're putting in a thousand dollars per month and your cash value is 500, then you could take out 90% of $500 in month one. Gotcha. Oh, okay. No, that, that's pretty good stuff, man. Let me let yeah. me ask you this. Sorry. What can people okay, so let, let's say you know a regular guy comes in, he puts his his money, everything that he has in the bank. Can this money be used only for certain things, or can they use this as a wallet and they pay their bills and every month they go back and put their money in? Uh, can they use it for that or is it just specific use? You could use it for whatever you want. There are no government or IRS restrictions on what you could use that money for. You could use it for real estate investing. You could use it for a vacation. You could use it for the home you live in. You could touch that once that money comes in your pocket, it's treated as cash. You could even use it in connection with other loans. Like for example, if you're going to get a mortgage, you could borrow from the cash value as your down payment. And the bank will just see that as your own cash. They won't see that as borrowed money, even though it is borrowed money. And I've actually talked to lenders about this. They say that once it's, if it's life insurance and it's a loan to yourself, it's treated as, as your own cash. The same way as going into a savings account or checking account, that's the same way. So you could use it for multiple functions, multiple purposes. Nice. So let, let me put it out there. I just, I just want to, for again, for the, I, I tried to speak for the, for the regular Joe out there who's, you know, have credit cards in, in their bank accounts and all that stuff. They, they put their money into one of these insurance, life, uh, uh, whole life insurance. And, and instead of using a credit card, which is going to charge them for, for uh, interest, 
they use their own money, which is gaining interest, compound interest, as if they're not even using their money. They go at the end of the month and they pay themselves and they go ahead and every month they go back and use their money. You know, I mean, doing it um, uh, with discipline and and basically they're gaining compound interest or compound interest on their own money and while they borrow it. Um, my next question is, and I don't know if Oscar has any questions. But hold on, hold on. Let me, let me add on to that, that picture right. before we, we segue. <laughs> because sorry, I brought up a great point. So the way lenders view your finances, right? So recently, we I had a financial uh, performance statement that I sent in to a lender. And in it, it had the cash value of life insurance. So what they, they explained that to me is that that is put in there as your net worth. So it's not, not only is it when you loan against yourself, but the cash value of a, of a life insurance policy as your net worth and you don't even need to touch it. So when you talk about real estate and reserves, having reserves aside or having capital to show that you have for in case something happens, right? Because banks, lenders always wanna know that you can back up your, your deal and that you can continue through it. You're, you could be solid because of a of a whole life insurance policy that has a cash value. And if you do need to touch it, it's pretty easy. But I found that interesting because it adds to your net worth. And a lot of people don't understand how to even look at personal finance statement. But it's important to know that there are certain things that make you look better on paper. And when you're looking at commercial lending, that is one of them. You know, your net worth is going to tell you if you're an accredited investor or not, or your high net worth individual. But yeah, I just wanted to add that. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, so you borrow your money. What's the interest that you're, because I'm pretty sure there's an interest that you're paying on, on the money that you borrow from, from your own account. What are the interests that people are paying on this? Yeah, awesome question. Yeah. So it's, it's all the companies we work with, it's 5% simple interest, but you're earning compound interest on your money. So if it's structured properly and the and, and the loan is taken out properly, um, your 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 cash value, the growth of your cash value will outpace what you're paying to the loan company. So like what that means is that like for example, with the fifty thousand dollar loan mentioned earlier and hundred thousand dollars in cash value, with the fifty thousand dollar loan you have, let's just say you borrowed five percent simple interest, you paid it back over a couple of years, and let's just say you paid it back with like only two thousand dollars in interest. So you paid back $52,000 total to the insurance company, principal and interest. Now your cash value would be earning, you know, four to 5% compound interest. So over the years, let's just say your policy grew by like $65,000 over a couple of years. Now you have an arbitrage, a positive arbitrage in the policy where the growth of the policy outweighed what you paid in, in the loan. So you made money in the policy and you made money in your investment, hopefully in your investment, you know, with the, with the real estate investment. So pretty much um, it's 5% simple interest. But it's again, it's that what that means. It's a simple interest. It's calculated in arrears, and your cash value will outpace what the loan is. So it's better than using somebody else's money. It's better than using cash. Um, it's better than if it's better to. It's the best way to use your own capital. Amazing. And and for the listeners, and another thing too, I want to touch. Oh, on go ahead. Too. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Good. No, go ahead, brother. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say for the listeners because I don't want to. I, I don't want to. As Oscar I don't mentioned. Wanna, yeah. Oh no! I, I as as I don't want to go into a. A sorry. Can you uh, can you explain every term? So if you hear something like simple interest, you don't know what simple interest. 
hey, go ahead and Google it because that makes a lot of difference when you're paying debt. So go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And as, as Oscar mentioned, you know, with the net worth, that's a very powerful piece, you know, having your cash value in the whole life policy be a representation of your net worth because of asset protection. And in most states, and a lot of states actually, uh, the cash value in the whole life policy can, is, is protected from predators and, and creditors, meaning that if somebody sues you, your whole life, in most situations, your whole life policy, the cash value is protected. Consult with your attorney. But what that means is you could be you know, as rich as you want on paper and still protect your money. So it's a lot of people, they're kind of cautious about that. Like, I don't want to be too rich you know, on paper because I'll be, you know, somebody could sue me and it'll be like you know, low-hanging fruit for the predator to, to be able to take that money, except for life insurance. You could grow the wealth on paper as much as you want. And in most situations, most states, it's protected from creditors and predators. You can't get a judgment to get that money out of it. That's awesome, man. That That's a great point. I didn't, I didn't know that. And that's really cool because it's not just one strategy, right? Real estate is, is one strategy to get to your financial freedom goal. But at the end of the day, is sounds like whole whole life is another one for, for great for asset protection. Once you liquidate or roll money out, you can create these, hold them there. To me, it sounds like a savings account on on crack, man. <laughs> where you can <laughs> where, where you can essentially borrow against it, it still increases in value. It's not like you know, you you loan against a 401k or or a RIA and all of a sudden your value is on half, but you still have to pay your you know, your loan back in the very low interest, you know, it sounds pretty, pretty sweet. Just that asset protection piece, I think ties it in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds German. Anything else? No, no, no. I, I, I like my brother said, I, I love the, the concept uh, to me until recently it was, it was something new. And then I got the book. One of my friends, uh, he, 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 uh, it, as a gift, he gave it to me to, to learn more about it. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm fascinated with the, uh, with the term, one of the things and probably, cause I've been talking to other people and, and the questions that they ask me is, or the assumption that they make is that you have to be a high net worth individual to be able to buy into, into, uh, um, into this type of, uh, investments. Is that the case or anybody can do it? Anybody could do it. Yeah, as mentioned, you could you could change your life with three hundred dollars a month. Um, you know, that's the minimum. You know, usually that's the minimum for it to work. But yeah, you don't need to be a high net worth individual to to take advantage of this. You could start small, get the hang of it, and this is a mindset shift. You know, you're going from thinking like a consumer to thinking like a bank, where you know you're thinking like a large corporation. You know, as large corporations, as mentioned, you know, they do the same thing banks do. They have huge whole life insurance insurance policies, and that's their representation of the value of the company. So if the company is, you know, a billion dollars, it's going to be, a, most of that is going to be in whole life insurance. Why? Because it's protected. It grows guaranteed. It, it earns compound interest. Even if their their stocks go down, you know, their, their cash value is not going to get hindered by that. It's not going to be affected by that. So I think that this is a mindset shift. You know, you're going, you're, you're thinking, you're shifting from consumer to large corporation or large big, even if you're not, even if you're just, you know, single self-employed, um, you're, you're thinking like a, you're a large bank or a large corporation. And I think that this is a wonderful way to dip into that world. That's amazing. Uh, my next question is how young can you be to, uh, 
to to get into this? Yeah, awesome question. Uh, so to own the policy, eighteen as as young as eighteen, um, and then to be insured, if you, if you for example wanted to insure somebody else, you could be you know a month old. A lot of people do this because they, what they'll do is they'll like give a gift to their kids where they'll get them the whole life policy where they're insured. They'll fund it for eighteen years. And then by the time they're 18, they'll have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in there from just paying a couple hundred dollars a month because of compound interest. And then they could use that for college. They could use it for whatever they want. And they'll kind of gift the policy to their kids or some of them might even wait longer than 18, you know, until like yeah, they're yeah. after college or whatever. But, but pretty much you end up, you know, um, gifting something that you've built with a couple hundred dollars a month and that'll compound to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. That is brilliant, man. You know, think about these, uh, I forget what they call them, five, two something plans. Yeah. They're garbage, man. Yeah. All you can do is use them for school. <laughs> what if your kid doesn't want to do school? You know? So, man, you just gave me another idea. I might just get yeah. more life insurance for life, my whole family. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the good, and the good thing is that when, when they grow, they don't have to spend their money. They they borrow their money, and the, if if they know how to use it, they can just borrow their money and, and have that money for life, and then even you know pass it down generationally. And, and that's what we always talk about generational wealth. Uh, so yeah, I love the concept. I love the ideas, the tips that you're giving us, how to use it. Awesome. Yeah, man, that's great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so where, uh, you know, just to wrap it up, man, um, where can people reach you? Where can they find you? Uh, yeah. Let, let the audience know, man. Yeah. So you can reach out to me for a free consultation. Uh, if you go to finassetprotection.com, it's F I N assetprotection.com. Uh, and there, there's a link, you can schedule a link. We can hop on zoom or over the phone. All my appointments are virtual. Uh, so you can schedule a free appointment. And as a, as a special for the listeners, um, as a gift to them, if they say they came from your show, I will um, give, I'll send them a free copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. I'll send it to them via Kindle for free. It's like $15 on Amazon, but I'll send it for free um, as like a gift for them for listening to the show. Awesome, Thanks, man. That, Thank that's you so amazing. Much. Thank you so much for that. And guys, uh, you know, you know, give us a five-star review, check it out. Keep listening to our podcast. Give us any feedback. And sorry, thank you so much for coming on, bro. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thank you. All right.